WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WMYC studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Whether you're listening on the radio, live streaming, or on demand, I am grateful you are here. I'm grateful to everyone who submitted an entry to our public song project. We'll hear the winners on tomorrow's show and listen to some music. Now, in today's show, we'll wrap up our Black Art History Month series with Nicola Vassell, one of the only black female gallery owners in New York City. She came to the U.S. from Jamaica at just 17 and worked her way up through the art world. We'll hear her story and what she has planned for 2023. The Oscar-nominated film Argentina 1985 revisits a milestone trial that held that country's military dictatorship accountable. We'll speak with the director, Santiago Mitre, and Luis Moreno Ocampo, one of the real-life lawyers involved in that prosecution. And we'll go inside the battle for power and control of Paramount Global, the media empire founded by the late Sumner Redstone. We'll speak with James B. Stewart and Rachel Abrams, the author of the New York Times bestseller, Unscripted, the epic battle for a media empire and the Redstone family. That is our plan today. So let's get this started with a powerful book that combines art and poetry. It's called Redaction. A new book out today combines visual art and poetry to expose the warps in our criminal justice system and the work that amplifies the humanity of millions of people incarcerated in this country. Redaction is a collaborative project between visual artists, MacArthur Jr. recipient and Oscar-nominated filmmaker Titus Kafar, and poet, author, and lawyer Reginald Dwayne Betts, who was also a MacArthur Genius recipient. The book is a continuation of an exhibition which first showed at MoMA PS1 in 2019. The book features poetry made of redacted court materials accompanied by sketches of faces and images of artwork that disrupt the presentation of iconic imagery about American history. The title page of the book, Redaction, reads, A Journey Through Words and Images Meant to Trouble, A Poet and a Painter Refusing to Let Them Black Hole This Process. Redaction is out today, and with me now are Titus Kafar. Titus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And Dwayne Betts, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you. It's also an honor to be here. So the book was inspired by this collaborative exhibition at MoMA PS1 in 2019. Probably some of the folks in our audience have seen it. So Titus, what was the original mission of the exhibition? And then to what extent has that mission changed or morphed as it evolved into this book? 
I don't think that uh, we set out to have a Ooh, Titus, we have a bad connection with you. I'm going to let our control room work on that. So, <laughs> Dwayne, you're going to be up next. Um, how does the book build on the exhibition while we figure out Titus's audio? You know, it's interesting because I, I know what he was about to say because um, <laughs> we talked about this a lot. And mm-hmm. it's one version of it. Think about the book, the, ex, the ex, exhibition. But the reality is that the exhibition made us realize that what we were doing was creating art and hoping to bring people into art spaces that they don't typically go to. Mm-hmm. And so we started with a book and then we recognized that the best thing to do alternatively, right? Well, we started with this exhibit and we figured the best thing to do alternatively was what does it mean to make a book that would be the third exhibit of redaction? So that literally you could bring into your home um, an exhibit that typically you would have to go to the you know, MoMA PS1 or some other um, art gallery to check out. And, and that's what we did. We made a book that was in and of itself, a beautiful art object that captures all of the prints, but also gives a reflection on our past and our present work as artists. Titus, do we have you? Oh, we're still working on it. Um, okay, so I'm going to continue with you, Duane. You know what? The I'm going to ask you actually to read one of the poems. The book explains the traps and the hazards of the criminal justice system as a whole, but specifically cash bail and how it harms poor and marginalized people. Dwayne, would you read the poem in the middle of Alabama and explain how you came to the poem? Uh, Yeah. In the middle of Alabama, people versus the city of Montgomery, the plaintiffs impoverished Jailed by the city, unable to pay traffic tickets, pay or sit jail. $50 per day, plaintiffs unable to pay each sent to jail, told they could work off debts. $25 per day, cleaning the city, scrubbing feces and blood from jail floors. The treatment reveals the city against its poise. Jailing people if they poor. Plaintiffs seek fundamental rights. They suffered. The city's unlawful. So for people who are listening to that and they hear the pauses, would you explain what the poem actually looks like on the page? Yeah, and I think this is going to be a perfect time for Titus to come in because mm-hmm. um, because the poem, on, so on the page, I took these, these um, complaints, these class action lawsuits, and I turned the complaint into a poetic complaint. And it's the voice of one, but it's really the voice of many mm. because a class action is when a lot of people have suffered the same harm and they're all suing. And so what happens is when you look at it on the page, you see these redacted lines. And instead of using redaction to hide the truth, I use redaction to reveal the truth, to reveal the true essence of the complaint. And then Titus did these etchings, mm. and those etchings um, complete the circle. So that you can actually see the reflection of the lives and, and the stories that connect our communities together and, and come out of this particular kind of trauma. Titus, do you want to weigh in? <laughs> hey, you can sound, you hear me now? You sound great now. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, 
technology doesn't like me as much as canvas and paint. Um, so I was I was actually going to speak to um, my relationship with Dwayne a little bit when you asked specifically about, you know, what got us here, why we mm-hmm. chose to do it this way. Um, Dwayne and I uh, became friends and this collaboration evolved out of that friendship. It evolved out of our our experiences in our life, our experiences as fathers and our experience um, in the criminal justice system with our loved ones. So particularly the images that you were talking about, you know, we put, as Dwayne said, multiple faces, one on top of each other to speak to this idea that this is not one story. This is a collective story. This is multiple stories. But on the other hand, the thing that we want to make sure that folks recognize and feel and experience maybe from this book is that it is it is actually about hope. Um, these these things that uh, we are having conversations about, that we are exploring, um, we are also actively uh, working towards justice in the world so that this doesn't have to be some depressing observation of how horrible uh, the world is. We know that, we understand those moments. Um, our our po- purpose, our our. our um, goal, if there is one in this way, is that people receive this as hope. One of the really beautiful things, and this is one of those moments when I, I kind of wish I was on TV, but I'm going to do my best to describe it, is that the poems that Dwayne has made out of these complaints are on, I think it's almost, it's like vellum, it's on this, this, it's almost like on tracing paper, and then you can see the sketches the faces that you've created, Titus, underneath the words, sort yeah. of emerging out underneath the words. Can you tell us a little bit about that choice? It's so, very moving. So uh, this that section that you're talking about is really about helping understand the process. Mm-hmm. So each one of these pieces that we made comes from four separate prints. It comes from the uh, legal document and and that's printed. Then there's the redaction of that legal documented document, and then that's printed. Then there is the portrait uh, that I make, and then there's another portrait put on top of that. And so um, that order shifts sometimes depending on the piece, but every individual piece is actually uh, four different moments of printing. Um, and so the vellum allows you to see each one of those um, each one of those moments separately. Uh, so that by the time you get to the end of those four pages, you can see what it took to get to the result you're staring at. And Dwayne, I'm curious, as you were looking at the the various complaints and the redactions, I can understand where you would find, um, where you could find some poetry in it. I'm curious if your your legal training ever overlaps with this. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I understood what a class action lawsuit was, and so that automatically had me thinking as a poet a class action lawsuit is when you're trying to speak not just for one but for many so that's what a poem is trying to do essentially mm-hmm. um and then also even understanding that me to be a, a, able to understand a document and able to understand the way in which sometimes uh, when you make legal challenges uh, for some really profound injustice the challenge itself gets boiled down to interpreting a statute and so sometimes what gets lost in thinking about the the legal aspect of the work is the heart and, and and the absurdity of some of these situations. You lock somebody up because they can't pay bail. And then, you know, you tell them they're going to serve 40 days in jail. But why they serve those 40 days, they lose their jobs or they're away from their families. 
And sometimes we had these conversations about criminal justice, um, reform, criminal justice issues, uh, Rikers, prisons all across this country. And those conversations get siloed in a way that don't um, also reflect the way in which we're trying to live our lives, be fathers, be friends, be within community. And so what this book does, both through the art and through the other poems, is I think remind a reader that, that listen, the landscape of, 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 of this suffering is the landscape of our lives. It is not just siloed to the experience of being in prison. It is also connected to these people who we have did these portraits of. Mm-hmm. Like within the other poems, it's aspects of their life that's reflected because I do believe that poetry has the ability um, for like one, and not in terms of me being that one, but the muse being the one to speak for many, I think in the same way that Titus's art does the exact same thing. It lets you think about yourself um, in different frames that allows you to understand your own humanity, but also allows you to understand aspects of people's lives that you might not see. My guests are Dwayne Betts and Titus Kafar. We are talking about their new book, Redaction, which combines Kafar's art and Betts's poetry. The book is out today. There's another poem. Um, I can read it or you can read it on 144, Dwayne. What do you think? Oh, I, I love to hear other people read my poem. <laughs> well, here I go. I knew that was coming. <laughs> here it is. There is the dream and then there is a moment. When morning comes with a combination of colors that have never existed before, the vernacular calls this dawn or first light or sunup, daybreak, break of day, cockcrow, aurora. There are so many words for this particular beauty, and no one dare call it fleeting, this beginning, this kind of horse we ride into what we hope will happen, this strange and wild thing that gallops us to our life. <laughs> You know, it's we we have a obviously we hang out a lot. You know, our kids go to the same school. Uh, he's in my studio pretty regularly. Um, it's when other people realize read his poetry. I realize, oh yeah, that's right. This dude is a genius. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> he's just my guy. And then whoa, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, even when you look at that, like, yeah, I mean, people can't see it at home, which is why they have to purchase the book. And I reminded folks yesterday <laughs> that the book is like the joy of an encyclopedia. Remember when mm-hmm. you were a kid and you would get that all in one encyclopedia and every page was a discovery? Yes. Um, the beautiful thing about this is I, I deeply do believe that every page is a discovery. And and Titus, you know, the, the work on the other side is is one of your historical pieces. And it's a sculpture, um, really, that's in wood. And it has... Um, I think this is Washington, and then yeah. it has, and it has a, a a a black man that was fighting um, ostensibly in a civil war for his freedom. But it's that juxtaposition I think that reminds us that right that there is a dream, and it, it is this moment that we're moving towards. And and I think what the art is trying to do with the poem is to tell remind us that you can't get fixated on on whatever the figure is that you choose to. To, to remind you of how how tragic some of our beginnings were. You you can't let go of the sight that like within that tragedy was the kernel that get us to where we are, that gets us to where we are today. Yeah, Titus, I was interested in in your process and your practice when you're thinking about the juxtaposition of iconic imagery about our history. How do you go about choosing? Is it the, does the muse come mm. to you and you just know? Do you actually mm. think like, okay, I'm going to start with George Washington's profile and go from there? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the particular penny you're talking about, it's, you know, a conversation with the Revolutionary War, a conversation with the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, uh, George Washington. A lot of this stuff happens organically. I feel compelled to make one particular painting and then I feel compelled to make another particular painting. So I have several paintings sitting around the studio and I wait for those paintings to begin to have a conversation with one another. Um, and if it's a conversation I'm interested in, I jump into the conversation, get in where I can fit in and the things construct. I feel like in the world of the painting, uh, you have control in some ways in the world of painting, in the world of art, you are God, but the artwork has free will. And so it can go left, it can go right, it can do, it can do these different kinds of things and you have to respond to that. You have to be willing, uh, to go with it. And so that's really my process. Very rarely does it happen that I sit down and go, okay, I'm going to do X, then Y, then Z. Um, I find that when I try to be a dictator, when I dictate to the work, this is what's going to happen. I find myself most disappointed in what I've made when I go through it that way. Um, when I keep myself open to the magic of discovery during the process, that's, that's, that's when, that's when, yeah, the magic happens. Well, if artists often have to keep themselves open, it does make you vulnerable. It makes you emotionally vulnerable to the work to the feelings that come up. Dwayne, how do you protect yourself personally when you are dealing with really difficult subject matter and having to be really honest and raw about it? Yeah, I, I don't know if, um, I don't necessarily know if if the creation of art is where you go to protect yourself beyond this, this, this belief. But, but like beyond this fundamental belief that, um, Cooking is very, very dangerous. You know, you could set, I once almost cut my finger off trying to um, chop scallions um, to make dinner for my family. So, so the thing that nourishes you could also lead to disaster. Mm-hmm. And yet you you cook for your family because you want to make this meal that you'll share. And it's a bit of joy in that. And you, you, you go through the process, even risking failure with this deep belief that, that at the end it's going to sustain you. Um, and even a bad meal sustains you, right? I, I, I remember cutting my finger in some ways um, more than a lot of the meals I had that year because it was it was preparing for um, like a holiday and I was doing something that was fancy and, and the way that my folks showed up for me and, and, and just because I was kind of crying, you know, I was like, man, my finger's gone. How am I <laughs> oh, no. My wife was like, you're not left-handed, you're right-handed. <laughs> Um, but I think art is the same thing, though. You know, mm. I write these poems, and sometimes they take me places that I don't want to go. But when I remember that the art is supposed to have some sustaining force, I find that I'm often um, unintentionally turning it into a place that reminds me why these, this, these things matter. And so, so the art itself is a way of sustaining me uh, because it reminds me that even from from tragedy. You know, you get stories that are deeply meaningful, even when the work is dark, because you can't run away from how dark this one thing that you need to say is. And it's something that sustains you in that work, because the, the reality is, you know, I think about being a writer as being a, a, a witness, as being a person that's mm-hmm. there to tell the truth. But but you can only tell that truth if you survive. And so it's some honor in, in recognizing that that your gift is to be able to keep telling the story. Titus, I was thinking about you as I was asking the question. I was thinking about your film "Shut Up and Paint," which was on the short list for Best Documentary Short at the Oscars this year, and it examines your 
relationship with the art world and activism and near the end of it. It's a really interesting short if anyone hasn't seen it. And at the end, you're painting with white paint and there's so much emotion in the way that you are using that paintbrush on that canvas. You're just, you're clearly having a moment. Um, are those moments cathartic for you or mm. do that never scare you? Cause you really are in it in that moment at this working on this piece. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit of both of those things yeah. in that. I mean, there is a catharsis to the process for sure. Um, there's struggle in the process for sure. Um, there is fear in the process for sure. I think at a certain point in your practice, you have figured out strategies for getting through the fear, for getting beyond the point of, can I do this? Can I do this? Will this work? I mean, for me in my practice, I've come to realize that I have to get really, really close to failure in order to get to something special. Um, and so in some cases, I go over that line. In some mm -hmm. cases, you know, I decide I'm going to cut a hole in a painting and it's just a hole in the painting. It hasn't transcended. It is not profound. It is just a hole. Um, and then other times you remove something physical from a space. I mean, this goes back to redaction as mm -hmm. a concept in itself. You remove something and it makes you question why it's gone. It makes you think about who had the power to remove that. It makes you dig into these ideas of absence and presence in a way that is expressive and powerful and does transcend the, the work itself, right? The idea is that it's not, it shouldn't just be about this brushstroke or that brushstroke. It should be collectively coming together to create something more articulate, more eloquent. It's a beautiful book, and hopefully you will have questions for yourself and about the way our systems work in this country. The name of the book is Redaction. It is by Titus Kafar and Reginald Dwayne Betts. Thank you so much for joining us on Publication Day. Thank you. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.